when Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Episode 22 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust Podcast brought to you by the White Hack Brewing Company. Let's party. Give it down, but Parks is going to flick this one on. There's a chance here, Parks. Over and up on the left-hand side. One, two. Is it going to fall kindly for Parks? It is. Kenny's behind him. Gibson calling for it. The valley from Gibson. And what a goal that is. Looking there for Kelly. That was a lovely ball. Just a little bit too much on it. Kelly made a decent run as well. Trying to make space for the shot here. It's not a bad Bohemians, incredible strike. Sligo win it back, Bulger. Three up front for him to aim at. John Kenny's one of the Mike break kindly here. Chance one on one to lift it over and score. Mark Bird. What a finish that was. Cool as you like. Well cut out though by Bulger. Bulger. Plays it in field. Three, two. Chance for the shot here. We have ignition. Oh, it's an absolute rocket. An absolute rocket of a goal by David Corley. A little bit of uh, Diana Ross there as we celebrate Rovers uh, staying top of the league, I suppose you could say, after our victory at the home of Irish football, Denny Park. Uh, also on the back of our, our win against um, Finn Harps. So we've got a lot to cover. Um, a little fact about Diana Ross, she's a massive side Rovers fan. <laughs> Did you know that? Anybody know that? She, I, thought gonna... was, I thought it was I thought it was um the notorious BIG. Well it's um she it's her little um she yeah, features as part of the yeah. yeah. But I, what's just have, the, uh, I just have BIG in my head. So yeah. Magoo, the cool the cool kids will go with BIG, don't worry. Yeah, but you know yeah, what what's um Piff Daddy Puff Puff Puffy Coons Daddy P Diddy <laughs> What's uh, Diana Ross's connection to Sligo? Any of you, why is she such a big Sligo Rovers fan? Her great great grandfather, great 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 grandfather was from Sligo. Yeah. And where was he where was he from? Oh where? Yeah, where was he from? What's well, the point? Some... Absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. uh, okay, so listen, um, we, we just had a little um, podcast meeting there before we started recording, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a shorter episode this week after our last marathon um, last Thursday and the hour and 30, um, the Thursday before that. So um, obviously we're going to look back to the um, the win over Harps. We're going to look back at the win against Bowles, and we're going to look ahead to the game uh, against Derry on Saturday at 7.45 kickoff on Saturday, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, six o'clock. Yeah, six o'clock, is it? Uh, we'll confirm that uh, shortly. Yeah, it was originally for 7.45, but it was moved to 6, I think. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So I will speak to JP Fahey, he's a very city fan. And um, so this is the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, my name is Connor Lynch. Uh, we've got Magoo with us again. Magoo, how are things? Top of the world, Connor. Top of the league and top of the world. That's it. Jerry, how are you getting on this week? Are you in good form? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely buzzing, Connor. <laughs> um, so we'll do what we usually do we just get a little uh, quick feel for um, the week that we had football and wise and then we get stuck into our shouts from the shed end and we've got a mixed bag of shouts from the shed end I just threw them all together um, that covered the, the Harps game and the Pat, and the Bowls game so uh, Sean overall are you feeling um, more positive about Sligo Rovers this week than you were last week Absolutely. I don't think I was feeling bad about Sligo Rovers last week. You're <laughs> getting paranoid. No, no. I'm asking you, are you feeling more positive this week than you were last week? Oh, definitely, yeah. Hard not to be after coming off the back of that, yeah. those two wins. Uh, Jerry, it was a hat to game, though, wasn't it, in Bulls? The Bulls game, yeah. Jeez, yeah. um, I, I, it was like 
mile a minute for the first uh, 15 minutes was just end to end and uh, could have been nearly like two all after 15 minutes but uh, <laughs> kind of settled down then after that into into a bit of a rhythm uh, in our favour Yeah, just to say I forgot to say at the start of the, the show uh, sponsored by the White Hag Brewing Company a great flower company and um Special thanks to Bob and all the lads. They um, dropped over some goodies to us all this week, so many thanks uh, for that. So, Magoo, um, uh, were you... So what was your feeling after the, the Harps game? Were you, were you positive after the Harps game? Or um, were you happy with the win? Yeah, I was happy with the win. I was positive with the performance. Um, uh, one thing that struck me about the Harps game... Well, it was actually uh, listened to Buckley's interview afterwards, uh, after the Shams game, sorry. And he says, he said, we just spoke about it in the dressing room there about, because uh, he was disappointed we conceded after taking the league so late. And he said, we just spoke about it in the dressing room, uh, seeing the game out on the front foot, not dropping back, continuing to press forward and see the game out on the front. And I think against Harps, we, we did that. Once we scored, we were well on top. We, we really settled down and started playing really well. Uh, looked really in control of the game Harps never really troubled with that side and I think you could see it again last night against Bulls like I think the easy thing last night would have been to drop Cawley back into midfield uh, type of areas and you know just say let's keep it compact and try and stop Ward getting into them little spaces that he was starting to get into and everything but we did we just he kept going for it and I, I think it's great to see and it's 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 going to be it's only looks good for moving forward like yeah okay let's get stuck into uh, shouts in the shed and and uh, we'll come back we'll go into the hearts game in a bit more detail and then we'll talk about um, uh, events in Dalyman Park so um, as I said it's a mixed bag with people who are giving their shouts for both the hearts game and the Bulls game but to kick things off we've got Paul Shooter Kelly and he's talking specifically about the uh, win against Finn Harps right lads uh, Paul Kelly here, aka Shooter Kelly. Massive win last night. Um, delighted for Johnny Kenny, first of Manny, um, Bulger and Moran. I thought were the two main men last night. I would have given Moran man of the match. I know Walter got it, but I know you're not supposed to change a winning team either. But for Tuesday, I would like to see Kenny, Collie, and maybe Regan to start. Um, but we'll wait and see. I'll trust in Buckley. Well, lads, Rowan Flanagan here. Yeah, great three points there at Jayden Mount. I suppose it's not an easy place to go. Um, after a tough start to the second half, we delighted that the lads drove on and got all the three points. It's great for Mark Hart to get his goal after what happened in the opening of the season. But sure, let's all forget about that. And on to Derry we go. Alan Kieran's here with a shout from the shed end. Starting off with the Harps game at the weekend, all I'm going to say about that is two words. Johnny Kenny. Now move on to the Boers game. 3-1 away from home. First time since 2013 we've put that many victories back-to-back on the road. Top of the table. Everything's looking well. The back four I thought were immense last night. Buckley and Mahan were two absolute rocks. Georgie Kelly got nothing off them. On Romeo, I don't think he's fully up to the speed of the league just yet, but he's showing patches. He's getting there. Coming from the States, a slower league. But we all know what he can do, and it won't be too long before we see the true Romeo. On the formation itself... Uh, a 4-2-3-1 Buckley was traditionally a 4-3-3 we actually moved to some stages as a 4-2-4 so a question for the boys is Johnny Russell having an influence on the team selection and team formation so all's good lads keep it going Andrew Dodd let me shout to the shade for Finn Harps and Bohemians we're top of the league 6 points out of 6 we have the best back 4 in the league we have full backs that are throwing in challenges Two seconds later, they're up the other end, whipping in across. Robbie McCourt is my man in the match for Finn Harps. We have Jordan Gibson, who's flying it at the moment, clearly loving his football. He's running by defenders, my player of the season so far. We have Walter, who's starting to come, in, come good, which, which we all know the quality he has. Uh, a special mention, actually, to Liam Buckley. Last season, we, we were all, well... A lot of us were saying, uh, why isn't he making this substitution? He needs to make this sub 10 minutes ago. And the fact of the matter probably was, we didn't have the players to make the subs. Top of the league, keep up the good work, lads. Kiki O'Grady, uh, great three points tonight up in Daily Mount. Um, I thought 
the back five were massive. Horgan struggled a wee bit in the second half, but Mahan and Buckley are just coming on leaps and bounds. And McCourt, apart from his short free kick, we don't like to talk about short things on this. Hey, I thought he was excellent for the rest of the game. I thought Bulger more went about their jobs, what they're meant to do. You could hear Bulger all game back in orders and Mohan. Moran doesn't get the credit he deserves, I think. He just does his business, does the simple things, and it's on with it. I thought Kenny was excellent. Like when you see a fell in the 93rd minute after playing up front on his own, Chaser fell down and clapped him. That's all we really want is a bit of work rate and a bit of honesty from lads. Um, the only kind of down point from it probably was Walter's injury. Hopefully it's not too bad. And I also think just picking up unnecessary yellow cards coming down the line. I know maybe Greg is free now. Niall picked up a silly one, kind of, and probably Johnny too. But anyways, on to Derry on Saturday and hopefully three more points up the Rovers. Hi guys, this is Donald McDonough from Ballandu near Riverstown. Uh, watching the game, one player who stood out for me was Robbie McCourt at left back. thought he was really solid defensively, made some good covering and tackling and used the ball well. Um, then another lad who um, I was delighted to see do well when he came on was Dave, Dave Cawley. Uh, not just for the goal, but I thought he did very well overall, and I'm sure he's given Buckley something to think about. Okay, lads, that's me. Uh, well done. Keep up the good work on the pod. Thank you. Okay, that is our shouts from the shed end. Um, after the Derry game, if you want to get your shouts in, you can email them to podcast at borst.ie. Just state your name, give us your thoughts, who's your man of the match. Keep it short, nothing more than 30 seconds is perfect. And as I said, email it into podcast at borst.ie. Okay, so um, I, I think from... I actually watched the Harps game back. Um, I still can't remember much of it, but I watched it back. After the game, I was pretty disappointed because I thought, geez, our goals were only coming from goalkeeper mistakes here uh, against Shams. And I mean, as, as good as the work was by Kenny uh, in the 53rd minute or so to get the winner against Harps, Sean, um, I, my kind of takeaway feeling initially after watching the game was, geez, we're just we're relying here on, on mistakes by, from the goalkeeper. But having watched it back, the second time, the performance was much improved in the second half. I think we were poor in the first half, but the performance is much improved in the second half. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with it. Go along with you there, Connor. Um, and in even in the thinking of like, you know, it was looking like our, our goals were just coming from keeper mistakes. But throughout the second half, I think against Harps, we've seen that the front four were starting to click a bit more and that they were interlinking that wee bit better and creating a couple more chances. Um, I think we had four or five shots on target, I think, in the second half alone. And a couple of very near misses where balls were spread across the box and just just going wide at the post of that. So there was that. I took that as a huge positive coming out of the Harps game, especially in just thinking that going forward, we are going to click. And I think we saw the fruition of that then against Bowes. But um, all in all, the, the performance against Harps was was very good. Even though we weren't amazing in the first half, I thought we controlled it. I don't think we looked under any real pressure at all. I thought the back four, again, giving us that foundation to build off, always looked solid and just never giving up possession and never letting any clear-cut chances come come, our, come their way. Sorry. Well, they, they, were, they were actually faultless in the Harps game, weren't they? Literally, there was, I don't think anybody put a foot wrong. Um, do the stats bear our dominance out um, in the Harps game? Were you talking about stats on your autos? Well, just in, in terms of possession and everything else, like we had 63% possession. So that just shows that we did control the game throughout. Um, I think 10 shots, not on target, shots on goal. And we had actually, which was two stats I found interesting and great to see is that uh, we had 508 passes throughout that game and we had a 80% passing accuracy. Now that's very good. Yeah. especially when you're seeing a side that is looking to play on the ground against the hard-working Finn Harps team you know to be making those passes all the time Go ahead. Yeah. Do you have um, just uh, as a matter of interest you know how you have the, the, the passes for Rovers would you have the passes for Harps? Yeah 307 Okay so nearly double Rovers Yeah it's a big it's a big jump like. Yeah um, and, and just even for just for <laughs> For a look at there, like they had a 65% passing accuracy. That's really poor. Yeah. What was ours again? Ours was 80%. It was really impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think the second half will be saved us there because we, we, we stepped it up in the second half. Um, mm. So, um, Magoo, um, a goalkeeper mistake, but um, the mistake was caused by, by Kenny, really, wasn't it? Oh, well, it was caused by his, his, his work rate and, and his willingness to put pressure on. But it wasn't just, as we were saying last night, it wasn't uh, just an aimless run or whatever. He knew what he was doing. He, he, he slowed down his run and waited for the keeper to take a touch. And once it was a slightly, it was only a slightly heavy touch, but once it was a slightly heavy touch, he was on in a flash. Like, and the keeper obviously wasn't expecting it. He'd seen him slow down and thought he had an extra second or two and he was on him in a flash. But like the thing... With, with the possession stats and stuff there, like you'd expect us to have way more possession than Harps anyway. Mm. The thing that, that I would be impressed with is that like Harps want to play for set pieces and their long throws and like I don't know how many long throws they put into the box or whatever, but we didn't look troubled by any of them. And that was, I think, a big standout for me because like, we're not exactly a huge team. We have two lads in centre half and then everyone else is, but it just goes to show that like when you're well set up to defend these things and the coaching that would have injured the week, obviously, and work on the training ground, like we didn't look in bother once, I don't think, with any of their set pieces, which is it's a marked improvement on the last couple of years against Harps anyway. I think I think we're we're a much more physical team than we were last season. Yeah. Um, obviously we had Buckley and Mahan last season, um, but they're significantly sized players, both of them. Um, McGinty is a greatly is a good solid keeper. Uh, Buck, uh, Bulger in the middle of the park, Romeo. Um, you've got a spine there, particularly, particularly Buck, uh, Bulger and Romeo now that we that we lacked last season, like you know. Something I say, but they're sorry, like Bulger and Romeo are, are they're tough, but they're not like exactly. Big lads, who you be saying for set pieces and stuff like that, but I, but I think it's just the way we manage the set pieces, obviously, and and just our defending and our and our, I suppose it's a, the the man American and you know the cute thing to do, leaning into fellas and yeah. one stand in front and one hand behind and just stuff like that, like just to stop them having any threat from the set piece. I thought was brilliant. Yeah, go on, Jerry. Uh, just, uh, I suppose the one thing that I took from the game and I think the stats kind of back it up, lads, is that uh, patience. Um, I think when you're playing against a team like Harps, um, look. Ultimately, sorry, Jerry, did you say patience? Patience, yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think ultimately Harps came down to get a draw, and it was always going to be difficult to uh, break them down. Um, and I think as fans, we we just kind of, I suppose, we want to see swashbuckling football all the time. But uh, when you see that we had almost double the amount of passes that Harps had, like I think we kind of we tried to keep recycling the ball and recycling the play and not giving it up and being patient. You know, sometimes it's easier just to knock it back to front pretty quick. I think we've done that a few times in the first half. We were looking for the diagonal. Uh, I think Bulger was trying to hit uh, Walter a few times and it worked, wasn't working out. And we actually stepped away from that, st- uh, that, um, that uh, tactic in the second half. Uh, and we, we just kept knocking the ball, regenerating it, and, you know, paid. Look, we didn't score from open play, but we should have. Yeah. Also on that, Jerry, and it's, it's actually a really good point, is um, if you look at last season, I'm sure there was games where we would have had a huge percentage of possession and it would have looked like we, you know, we were building up huge amounts of passes and passing accuracy and everything might have been good, but it was teams letting us have it in our own half. Yeah. And we were just playing over and back, over and back, over and back. And we weren't actually causing them any trouble at all. And they were just willing to pounce on us then yeah. whenever we whenever we did try and move into the final third. Now, obviously, it, it worked quite a bit for us. But there was teams willing to just sit back and let us have it because we weren't going to cause them any threat. Whereas this season now, it's far more progressive. Yeah. That everything is, it's done with an outlet, we have the we have the players now to cause problems, and even as you said, we were recycling the ball, but it's coming back, and it's it would just say we're losing it out wide on the right where it hasn't worked out. It's coming back in through this, in through the centre of the park, and we'll go out and we'll try it out left, and if it doesn't work there, we'll come back around again. We're not giving it away. We're our ball retention is has been brilliant so far this season. Have we seen Magoo an improvement between the Harps game and the Bulls game on set pieces? Massive improvement. Um, set piece as well. Not not the one that McCork couple for anyway last night. No. <laughs> but, um, you know yeah. what? You know what the thing with set pieces is though. Like, um, like some of them have been poor, and but like you can see them. Like the one with McCork last night, and they're trying the stuff. That, 
yeah, the what what you can see they're working on them in the in during the week they're being worked on and there's different like we scored now from we scored Romeo the first game was uh, from a set piece Fockies was from a set piece we had the goal that's allowed against Shams and that was another uh, mm-hmm. set piece move that was worked on like I know ultimately Walter was caught offside like but it was another set like that was actually a brilliant one though. Yeah, but that's in the first five games. Like, like we used to never score from set pieces. Like, so I think, mm. you know, just, at the minute, I'd be happy enough to take the good with the bad at the minute for, for the set pieces. Like, I know the ones that don't work don't look great. Like, they do look like McCourt last night and the one, um, I can't remember if it was Shams before or Van Harps, where the boys took the corner and they messed it up. Like, it doesn't look great when it doesn't come off. But at the minute, I'm, I'm just glad they're working on different set pieces and some of them are coming off for us. Like, because, like, years gone by, we never score for set pieces, really. Yeah. And that's just coming back to the point that I was making in terms of patience as fans. Like, yeah. you know, the easiest thing in the world is just to lob it in every single time. But, like, when you're playing a team against Finn Harps, like, they're absolutely massive. Yeah. We're just a normal standard team. We've got a few tall fellas, we've got a few small fellas, we've got a few medium sized fellas. But if you're just lobbing into the ball against Finn Harps, you know, percentages are you're not going to yeah. win it. You have yeah. to build it up. Yeah, especially when there's no structure to it. Like, they're like, they they want that all day long. They just want you to lump it in. They love it. That's the meat and drink. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, just like moving on, we'll talk about the Bulls game a little bit more. But we've seen Romeo Sizzicatively, and we mentioned it briefly on uh, the YouTube channel and the aftermatch reception. But um, when he's running at defenders, and he's got the ball on his feet. He's almost like a rugby player because you've got to get to get into his, you know, radius is difficult because of his strength, you know. And we've seen Alex Shields in the Dundalk game bounce off him while Romeo's in possession. Um, the the first goal that we scored against Bowles, we saw his physicality again, hold the players off, and. Um, um, and the Shams game, I can't remember who it was, but um, he, he, I, I just think he's he's such an important. I know he's yet to click as well uh, this season, but um, he's he's such an important player for us. He's kind of not holding the ball up in a traditional manner, but he is helping us to maintain possession. He's, very, he's, he's deceptively strong, I'd say. Like probably mm-hmm. when you look at him and he's and he's he's also I say gangly and awkward too. Like you see when he's running and there's fellas trying to come in, he's he's not afraid. He'll put the arm into them like and he he's and he's big long legs. He knows how to shield the ball well when he's when he's in the control of it. Like but it's, he is deceptively strong. I'd say as you said, as fellas do bounce off and you wouldn't think it happened. Um, Sean, we're going to finish better then when the bounce. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed Shields bouncing. <laughs> um, yeah. Sean, can you, if your memory goes back far enough and with enough detail, who was your standout player against Harps? Oh, Niall Morahan. Really? Yeah. Morahan was brilliant that day. Um, really, really good. I thought he was, uh, he was everywhere he needed to be on the pitch, just popping up in these in areas, just retaining possession, making crucial little tackles. And just the beauty about Morahan is when he tackles, he usually tackles with a pass. <laughs> he's winning the ball and he's laying it off to someone nearly within the same movement. It's 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 brilliant to watch. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah, I think I think Moran would have been definitely up there for man of the match for a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Jerry, what about yourself, quickly? Um, probably I I go along with Sean's. So I thought Moran was excellent, um, and I'd also include Gibson and Walter. Probably yeah. probably Walter would have shaded for me with uh, with Moran and Gibson behind. And really quickly, Miguel. Um, yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have went for Walter as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Walter's second half. Oh, the court was excellent too. The court was brilliant for me. Though I, I couldn't, couldn't yeah, see past. As I said before, so, yeah. I couldn't see past Kenny myself personally for for just for scoring a goal and you know getting three points. Okay, listen, we will um, we'll pause things on the Harps game. Uh, up next, we're going to talk to Derry City fan JP Fahey. He joins us from Derry, I guess. It's been a challenging season so far for Derry City um, actually Derry were the team last season where our turnaround began up on the branding goal um, Kyle Callum McFadden um, scored did we win 2-0 or 1-0 that day 2-0 yeah. 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 got a penalty as well that's right yeah, yeah. so um, I guess yeah with the challenging start that you've had um, what's the, the general feeling among Derry City fans going into the game against Rovers this weekend the general feeling will probably be that 
we'd be doing well to get a draw out of it because of the form that Sligo started the season in. So, um, you know, initial losses away, our uh, home and away, Longford and Waterford, uh, a loss to, to Pats, but I guess maybe that's easier to take because Pats are, are kind of being touted as one of the better teams, one of the stronger squads this season. Um, but what, what is, what's happened in the, the draw against Dundalk or what's happened in the more recent games to provide some optimism for you? I think uh, it was that there was a lot more football played from the team rather than just I think the first three three games um, we touched on there Longford, Waterford and some Pats it was just a lot of kicking the ball forward and hoping for the best um, out of Parkhouse and there wasn't really a, the, the ball was bypassed in the midfield and it was just coming straight back at us but against Shamrock Rovers even though we lost 2-0 we, we kind of like play, tried to play a wee bit of football and we tried to get at them and we took that in the draw on Friday night and we went behind and I feel, in my opinion, it was um, against the run of play. But we done well and got ourselves back in the game um, before half time. And it was a similar feeling last night that although we knew that we weren't going to have a lot of ball because of the quality that Dundalk possessed, even though they were just a point above us on the table, um, we I, and general feeling was that the, them players that played last night, every single one of them, put their body on the line. They fought tooth and nail for the point against Dundalk and um, it's just it, there's a wee bit of more optimism now that um, that the team are starting to turn it around because it is a young team um, we have brought in proven players but if you look at the bench in the, the opening periods of the season it is a lot of youngsters um, as Devine touched on it last night that there was only two players over the age of 21 finished the game last night and I think that was Kieran Harkin and, and Kieran Call so I think people have to be patient and realise that this team's not going to start pulling up trees at, at the very start, that it's going to be a project that everyone has to buy into. And um, hopefully in the in the, a year's time, we'll see start to see the benefits of it because if these players can start to get a couple of wins under the belt and move up a table and hopefully finish mid-table, then come next season, they will be better players for this season. Why has there been so much change of personnel over the last number of seasons at the Brandywell? I guess that's been the big problem, hasn't it? Unable to maintain a squad. It's been a huge problem and it goes way back to roughly about 2016-2017. It just, we started they lost our better players. Um, They were, well, they ran their contracts down or the club didn't renew them as um, uh, nobody knows, but we lost their better players, Alexa McElhinney, they some pat or not they some pats they done doc. Um Michael Duffy he went across the Celtic um but that's uh, and then we lost Alexei Aaron McAniff, um the Shamak Rovers. Um it was really gut wrenching to see that we were letting them players go for nothing when pre the five years previous that our best players they were going across the England and Scotland and we were getting money for them and we were able to reinvest that money back in the, the team but the turnover of players in the last five years has been absolutely atrocious and I think that's why they've decided to go down this route now of developing players because they've realised that our best way of um, generating more funds for the manager if we can't generate it on the field of play by qualifying for Europe or things like that, the, the only other way we can do it is by developing players. How are you feeling about the game on Saturday? I'm looking forward to it more because of what I saw last night from the players. They were committed to the shirt. They were committed to the badge. They were committed to the the fans themselves. And I've no doubt that they will go into the game against Sligo with the same attitude and determination that even though Sligo are joint top or um, haven't seen the league table, um, well, they may sit top outright, they don't know. But um, they, Sligo, they are unbeaten. We know that. And, um I'm looking forward to the game to see um, because make no bones about it, Dundalk might be in a, a the same kind of run as ourselves, but they still have quality players. Yeah. And we were able to put it up them and get a draw out of that. And we're looking to see now if we can if that was a one off. For me personally, I'm looking now to see if that was a one off or they can back it up because they have this team, even though they haven't won a game yet this season, they have got better game on game. And I just felt that against any other team last night in the league um, 
we possibly could have got got something from the game and just hoping that look if we come out of this game on Saturday with a third draw in a row I'll be happy because at this stage of season it's about staying in there and giving yourself a chance for the for later on in the season JP in regards to Divine if by chance you don't win at the weekend is he put under pressure now is he coming under serious pressure or is it a case that if you do come away with a loss but have put in a good performance is it enough for him to keep his job and to continue building on throughout the season well I don't, I don't know what um, what the board are thinking I know the start of the season they started their 3D and I think if you remember back then the last season the chairman came out to say that they were going to have a come to Jesus meeting we don't know what came out of that in terms of what the manager um would how many games he would have um they, they prove that he was he was worth his, his his year extension. Um but what we do know what came out of it was a three to five year plan. Now if you're putting in a three to five year plan and you've a manager in place at the start of that plan to get rid of him I think after seven or eight games would would be in my opinion not right because mm-hmm. If we go down to Sligo and we play out of our skins like we did last night against Dundalk and we lose, say, with a last-minute goal or a silly mistake or something like that, if we lose by the odd goal, then I think the fan, the fan, I think he's coming under more pressure with the fan base rather than, he's, than the board. Uh, finally, JP, if Derry are to get a draw or if they're to win, um, who will be having... What players will be standing out, do you think? Um, I think we're going to have to look at maybe Fitzgerald and Parkhouse if we're going to win this game. Um, maybe Will Patchen, who wasn't playing last night because he he was on loan from Dundalk, so we missed him. Um, I think young Har- Kieran Harkin in the middle of the field, he's going to be crucial. I think he was outstanding last night. He really was. He he was he he made he just got right in Dundalk's faces. He didn't especially. Patrick McElhinney didn't allow him any time on the ball, although the one time that he did get a bit of space from Kieran, um, Patrick picked out a peach of a pass for Michael Duffy and Dundalk took the lead. So, but that that's no fault of Kieran Harkins. Um, but he got right in their faces. I think in the the last five minutes, Dundalk just they were playing ping ball, and I think it was blocked three times, and it was it was him that got the block in three times, and. It's gonna be it's gonna be a battle in midfield. We know that we we have been quite weak in there this season. We lost McCormick to Galway and didn't really replace him. You've got Greg Bulger who plays in there and he's really the man that gets on the ball and he he, he breaks up the midfield and he he takes a sting out of games and I just think that we're gonna to have to I think Kieran's gonna to have to try and do pro he's not that kind of player, but he's gonna to have to try and do what he did last night and not give anybody any time on the ball. JP, um tactically throughout the first few games anyway, how exactly have you been setting up and what what are you likely to go with for an away fixture against us? The first three games, um it, it looked to be a back five, um, well, a back three with two wing backs that when we lost the ball they would drop back in the um a back five um, but since the Shamrock Rovers game now I don't know if it was because of the first three games where we kind of pretty much bypassed the midfield or if it was just the the quality of the opposition that, that forced Divine into playing it we've gone to a back four and we've looked a lot more solid as a back four rather than a back three stroke five um, but Ronan Boyce has had three played the last three games and he's been probably the best defender on the pitch throughout both teams. Um, he's been magnificent at right back. Um, the the back the back two, McJanet and Paul played together last year. They they built a great relationship and they've taken that into this season. And Kieran Cole, I think, has been the best left back in this league for for a couple of years now. Um, so we've got a good nucleus of a back four. It's about trying to trying to pick the best midfield that we have and I think that we will go we have played superb in the last three games with the back four I think going into the game against Sligo I don't envisage any changes to that back four or tactically personnel or tactically I think it's going to he's going to Declan will probably try and look to see how he can get Parkhouse and Fitzgerald on the ball more in the, the key areas up the pitch 
and it's probably likely that he's going to look at um, what can he do in midfield to ensure that the ball gets into them as quickly as possible. All right, JP, uh, listen, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate a great insight into um, into how things are faring uh, up in the Ryan McBride uh, brandy well. Uh, here's to, let's say, an entertaining game. Hopefully, anyway, and <laughs> may the best team win. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, JP, thanks a million. Thanks for your time. That's JP Fahey, Derry City fan, giving us the insight um, up foil side. And uh, thanks a million to JP for joining us. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Derry game uh, once we finish chatting about the win in Daily Mount Park. Uh, just before I forget, obviously we're sponsored by the White Hart Brewery. And during the Finn Hart game, I think we gave away a case of White Hart beer to one Sligo Rovers supporter who posted a photograph uh, tagged the Bitter Red Supporters Trust in the tweet and they also tagged the White Hag and the winner I'm happy to announce is Mr Gary Egan and uh, Gary I will be in touch with you shortly and I think for the next game we're going to um, for the next game we're going to give away our creative beer uh, by running a Man of the Match poll and uh, we'll get people to I don't know. I think we'll um, we'll pitch three or four players as potential on of the matches and of the match, and um, we get people to vote, and then you just whoever votes, everybody who votes will, will be able to shout. So we'll talk. We'll touch on the Derry game before we finish up, but um, we need to get stuck into the the Bowls game properly. I think, and um, McGill was uh, two minutes in. It was a ropey start. <laughs> It was it was a hell for it was a helter skelter start, wasn't it? Both sides. It was um end to end stuff. I'd say for neutral it was probably I'd say it was one of the best games I've seen probably this season. But uh, it wasn't good for the heart for Rovers fan, was it? Jesus. And then we could have like we could have conceded after two or three minutes and we could have scored on ourselves after four minutes. Johnny Kenny had a great chance back post. But um yeah, but look. As an excellent victory to go away, go away to Bowes and to pick up any sort of win, but to do it so convincingly in the end, three one. Like, and I was, I was hearing someone today, I don't know who, where it was, that um, saying we were lucky and uh, you know Bowes could easily have won us just as uh, as easy as we could have. Like, I know they had chances, but like I said, I said, I don't, I, I felt that we were always the better team. We were always looked the more dangerous team, and. I always felt like if Bowles did score, that we would score again. So, I look, look, let everybody write us off the want. Like I don't mind. I have to say, I was um, I was very apprehensive all the way through the game, and only until Cawley scored the third, um, I just I couldn't settle into the game. And maybe that was just the nature of the you know. I think we discussed it on the on the aftermath aftermath reception. Um, it's it, it just the unsettled nature of the game. It was there was so much position up in the park. Yeah, it was just end to end stuff like. But that's why I felt we always had, we just had more up front. I felt we always just looked so dangerous when we attacked. Like between like Walter before he went off, Johnny uh, Gibson, like they were yeah. all on it last night. Romeo in in patches was unplayable. Like there was you could have I'd say out of the eleven that started, you were on about man of the match there for the next game. I'd say. If you picked any of the other, if you picked any out of nine, nobody really could have argued with us. Yeah. So it was, it was that good of performances from everybody that's nice. Uh, Sh- Sean, I do want to, before we get on to the goals, I do want to touch on um, Johnny Kenny's effort that came off the bar. If that went in, that <laughs> we already have like two of the top goals scored this season, but that would have been right up there as well, wouldn't it? it was, oh, sensational. Yeah. <laughs> what an effort. And it came from really nothing as well in nothing area. He was kind of going into a channel there that you didn't think anything could come off. He didn't really have a pass on or anything. And I, the last thing I thought he was going to do is shoot, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah and he just unleashed that on his right peg. And he, so unlucky, he just bounces clean off the bar. Yeah. Um, so shortly after that, uh, Romeo gets a bit of criticism from Hugh Cahill and the commentators that he just wasn't at it. Uh, but uh, obviously he's got a commentators feeding his ear and he decides to turn it on Jerry doesn't it doesn't he yeah com- commentators curse in reverse <laughs> but, um, yeah look I, I think I think you can see game by game that Romeo is starting to click um, 
and look his touches and I think Magoo said it as well like coming from the the, the American League um, I can't remember what the abbreviation of it is it, just from looking at clips the, the, the play seems to be a bit slower whereas here you know you don't get very long on the ball and you need a good first touch sometimes that kind of lets him down but definitely game on game he's starting to he's starting to rev it up and I tell you one thing um, another couple of games he could be a serious serious player yeah, but he was he did stick the place out as well at the start though. His his, his touch was poor. He was yeah. he was overhitting passes. Uh, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, yeah. um he covers, you know, two thirds of the pitch, uh, beats two men, plays a lovely one too with Kenny. And I'll tell you what, um, Magoo, I don't know if you saw this. He had his back to Kenny and he, when he when he's in the box and step he turned what's that? Yeah, just a we step over. He does a little step over, like he's got. I got a, a fraction of a second to identify where Gibson is, and Gibson doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to run onto the ball. He doesn't have to shift left or right. It's just perfect. And like we knew it, uh, Bowes knew it. Uh, there was a couple of uh, of um, James Fallon photographs of uh, the 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 goal going in. It, it was just it was the perfect perfect assist. Um, so yeah, yeah it was it was it was brilliant, great ball, like and a lovely height from and everything, like and and used to the wee step over and then just turn in one movement to step yeah. over and turn and the little clip ball and he he had to clip between the two yeah. two centre halves were out in him and he just clipped it between, lovely between them right onto Gibson's foot and it was a great finish by Gibson too, uh, but yeah. the whole goal the whole build up to it was brilliant right from the back Buck, Buckley's little lob over over their strikers' heads and then back from again. It was just the whole build-up from start front to back was brilliant. That's was, I was just I was just about to touch on that there is um Buckley winning the ball back, but not but not panicking. It's that composure again that comes comes into it. He finds the pass, he finds Walter in front of him, and then it's Walter then again who plays the ball into Romeo. It's actually your front four combining for the goal. Which I think is, you know, it was it was a brilliant starting, goal from back to front. That starting thirty yards from our own goal. Yeah, yeah. two 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 of our front four. Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of feel like that was the continuation on from the from the Harps game, the second half of the Harps game. Uh, this cohesive sense around the team, where um, you know those little uh, threads and those. Um, you know those trends were beginning to become more apparent um, through through the team. So, um, and the other thing that I think was very noticeable was the intensity that we brought to the game. And we mentioned it briefly on the aftermatch reception. Like we were bullied at the home game last season where we lost the Bulls, and I think Buckley probably told them, you know, we weren't going to let that happen again. And um, Sean, you've got some f- facts and figures as well uh, in relation to. And the the passes and how we how we performed overall from a numerical point of view. Yeah, well, it's just given the possession stats was fifty nine for Bowes and forty one for ourselves. So I was a little bit shocked that I thought we had a wee bit more possession than that. And passes then we only made three hundred and ten passes last night. While they made four hundred and twenty six. While ours was a pass and accuracy of seventy percent. So. <laughs> Looking at those stats, you wouldn't, you don't see the performance that we seen last night. Yeah, you know. So I suppose stats are very objective when it comes to it like that. It's about where you, it's about where you, where you play rather than, you know, what like you could have, you could have ninety percent possession just playing it over and back in one box. Like it's, it's, you know, let them have the ball in their own, especially away from home. Like I think that's where well, I think we're 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 so suited to play away from home. With the players we have, it's just hitting teams in the break. Like we will murder teams in the break, but we when they really click, we will murder teams if they come at us. Uh, Jerry, in the second half, um, we I think we agreed before we started recording that um, the lad Bert for Bulls is a is a pretty decent player. Is there any fault to be found for his goal? Or was it just a great strike? Yeah, I suppose we were caught a little bit cold um, just coming out for the second half. Um, Look, I suppose we could have got out to him a little bit quicker, but in fairness, it's, it's a brilliant strike and um, just one of those goals, you know, you have to take your hat off to, and give the lad credit. Um, McGinty had no open goals. So, um, yeah, and look, up to that, par from the first, second minute, I don't think Bowles looked like scoring. So it did come from nowhere. 
is the jury is that we were we were in for Georgie Kelly I think at the start of the season. Um, are we glad that we didn't end up with him? Definitely. Um, look, I think you know Georgie's a good player, um, but he has his limitations. He'll hold it up for you. Uh, he will get on the end of things, but I don't think he'd fit into our style of play. So if you were to take one of the front four out and put Georgie in. Mm, he's not moving enough. Square peg into a round hole, in my opinion. Yeah. He's the type of striker as well that um, if a centre-half puts it up to him and gets the better of him in the first few minutes of the game, he nearly throws the toys out of the pram and just forgets about it. That's him That's him in for the day. And especially if if an early an early chance like he had last night doesn't go his way where McGinty makes that great save, he's just, the head goes down. He's just, he's very much a confidence player and it's very easy to knock that confidence out of him. Yeah. I also think he plays he plays very similar to Coughlin you know he holds that up and brings people into play and I think like if if we want to want it in we just hold on to Coughlin really don't we mm-hmm. I think Coughlin's probably a better footballer than him so. yeah a better footballer but he was, just but he was looking for a different far more fluid from four so yeah. but just going back to Romeo there just when I was saying earlier on like you know um, you know you have to take the bad the good with the bad with Romeo Um He's probably one of the most explosive and dynamic players, in my opinion, in the league. Um, yeah, he gets it away, but at the same time, then he'll just create something out of nothing. Um, and if you go back to maybe when before he left to go to America, <laughs> up to that he had a run of games there where he was more consistent. His ball retention was better. He was up to the speed of the game over here, and I think that will come back. And I really, really do think that we have some player on our hands if he clicks and, and indeed the, the the front four, we could be unplayable in some games. Oh, Jerry, I, th- I think it's an important point to make because I think if you watched the game last night, when Romeo comes into his own, that's when the front four click into place, really. And that's when we start dominating possession and really creating chances and everything else because an awful lot of the ball goes through him. Yeah, you know, even as play like a lot of people, and I've even said it myself that it maybe doesn't suit the number ten spot. But then you see last night, at times it looks perfect for him. And Sean, I think he draws players. He draws players to him. Like if you Absolutely. look at times when he had the ball, right, and his arms and his legs are going everywhere. But there's like three Bulls players around him, bouncing off him, and they can't get the ball off. So that's creating space then for like Johnny uh, Walter and uh, Gibson at white, uh, and I think. That kind of goes unseen at times. And he's he struck up a brilliant relationship with Johnny Gibson and Walter. You can see it the way they feed off each other. It is all coming together quite nicely. And I think I think as as the season goes on, Jerry, as you say there, I, I just think we're going to see a better Romeo every game, to be honest with you. Um, lads, just uh, before we, we miss it, uh, we had Neil Doyle ref in the game last night. He dished out uh, four cards to Rovers, I think. Uh, five. five cards he dished out to Rovers. Uh, Bulger, I think it's Bulger on three yellows so far. Three, yeah. yeah. I think it could be. So um, we need to be careful here, don't we? Oh, big time, yeah. Look, there is a case, and I even said it last night on the on the pod, that look, it was great to see Johnny Kenny coming back and making that cynical foul on the halfway line and getting booked for the good of the cause and whatnot. But I, I do think you have to look at the bigger picture of it as well. You know, it's a lot of yellow cards to be to be rounding up this early in the season. Well, I, I think you know, um, if we didn't have like Greg Bulger was involved in two of the goals last night for me, he was the standout player in the Rover shirt. Uh, I think if he's not playing last night, it could have been a different game for us. Um, so, uh, like Bulger got booked, Horgan got booked, Kenny got booked. Let's. Um, Oh, I said McCourt got booked. McCourt got booked. Yeah, that was needed. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he, Morahan. Yeah, Morahan was. Oh God, he should never. I mean, he should never have got a yellow. I mean, do, do, do you think he should have got a yellow card for that? Little push. No. Not at all. No. Really not joke. Not a joke. I think Bulger is 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 has a bit of a Danny. There's the Danny Venter syndrome going on there. Like I think he, the referees just are waiting for an excuse to give him a yellow card. Like that's all they want. They want to. They want to try and shut him up. So the way, so the first chance to get to give him the other card. Like, this will shut this fellow up and annoy me though for the rest of the game. It doesn't now. You can see him. He, he kept at it. He kept at it. Like after he was booked, but he was walking away instead of being up at the rest face. He was walking away, giving out. But he was still. He'd be still at it. But I. I think he's just. The rest are just looking for an excuse to book him. 
It's yeah. just we we do got to be careful because what can happen now is just we're going to lose important players for an important fixture needlessly. That's it. That's, that's true, yeah. I think, though, last night was a bit of an exception in, in on its own in that we got five yellow cards. If you go back to the other four games, we had a very, very low uh, card count, uh, definitely compared to last season. Um, I just think, you know... Definitely, we I would say we have uh, probably 25% less cards at this time of the season than we would have had last season. I'm actually going to try and do up a count. But Neil Doyle, there wasn't one bad tackle in that game last night. And how was that game so much different, say, Finn Harps, where I think we got two yellow cards. Waterford, there wasn't a yellow card in the game. Yeah, and we said that in the aftermath reception. I think that the referees are trying to be are trying to dish out less cards, but Doyle went for it last night or went for it on. Uh, but this is and uh, this is look. We keep we've come to this already. Like we're what, we're six games into the season, and we've already come to this with referees of the inconsistency, and that's what it's going to be uh, throughout the whole league. It's, okay, there is inconsistency days long. I want to get finished up on balls. Um, so um, the Mark Byrne goal was another incredible piece of team play. Uh, is a bulger wins the ball around the halfway line. It's Morahan first. Warren so feeds the Bulger Bulger bursts about 20 yards and he chips he, he puts the ball in for Kenny who um, has an incredible somebody said it I don't know it was in our WhatsApp group or somewhere else but before uh, before Bulger starts his break Kenny's looking over his shoulder to see well first of all the header was amazing but as I said in the aftermath reception I think I was sure that ball was going straight into the keeper's belly but um, because he had a small little window to get it in under the keeper's arm uh, Mark Bird it was an excellent finish wasn't it uh, Sean Oh, it was a brilliant finish. And just to touch on uh, Bulger's ball, well, actually, Morahan's, the, again, the whole goal, the whole lead-up to it is brilliant. Morahan wins that ball back in midfield, and it's just a little pass around the corner to Bulger and just sets him on his way. And it's the way, it's a lovely way to pass into Johnny Kenny. And Johnny's running between the two centre-halves that releases Mark Byrne in behind him. There's no one there for him. It leaves acres of space for Byrne. But it's not even a flick on. It's just a glance. Yeah. It's just the slightest. If he was to flick that on, he probably puts it beyond Burn. Yeah, he believes it. So it's actually just, it's the perfect little glance just down onto him. And that's a 17-year-old onto a 20-year-old who's already made that intelligent run. And then the composure from Mark Byrne is something that has to be commended here and just stand up and and give him a round of applause because that's fantastic composure from a young lad like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, McGill, is he a striker or does he play wide? What's his... Well, uh, coming up, he was always um, he would always be out the wing, left wing usually. Where he where he plays, like when he comes on, that's where he would have played. What now? We I thought I'd say there would have been times he you be put him into the center and stuff. You know, good players yeah. put him into the center and they'll run a game for you, or whatever. But I think mostly out in the left wing. But like yeah, like Sean said there, I thought you know when he took the touch, I thought he had, I thought he had lost the chance. Yeah, like I thought he talked too long, but like he, he knew what he was doing. He was just drawing the keeper out and then just probably laughed it over him. Yeah, like, um, great, great finish for such a young lad. What was consistent across all the goals? I think it was the um, speed and accuracy of passing. That's something I wrote down in relation to the Bowes game. And um, for the third goal, Jerry, um, there was a quick movement to play. I think it was a little triangle between Bulger and I can't remember who it was to get the ball into the feet of of Cawley to dispatch the rocket. Yeah. Um, geez, it was a rocket, all right. In fairness, look, he, he was back to, to goal as well and, and kind of yeah. turned one move and just got the shot off really early and, uh, you know, didn't give a chance, didn't give any defenders a chance to get near him and, and likewise the keeper. But uh, it was great to see him scoring because, uh, you know, like he every game he's been coming on, he's been adding so much to our game um, and really keeping us keeping us on the front foot and I think there was just with one of the beauties of I suppose having or there's not much beauty not having fans in the ground but um, I, I think it was after the second or third goal you could hear Bulger we're not sitting back we're not sitting back Yeah. So you could hear it over the over the, the audio it was uh, yeah. you know that's what you want uh, Jerry, you were going to talk a little bit about um, the change in the in Rovers' um, productivity regarding points post and, um, and yeah. before lockdown, um, and that might tie us into the Derry game. Um, but um, there's been there's been a big turnaround in our uh, points accumulated um, since lockdown. I guess is that right? Yeah, so uh, David Dolan sent it to me, uh, sent me a message there last night, and he was. Uh, he was doing a bit of a stato and uh, he was saying that in the 21 league games before lockdown, now that wouldn't 
clue games, obviously, from last season. Um, Rovers only took 18 points from 63. And in the 21 games uh, since lockdown, they've taken 40 from 63. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge turnaround. Yeah, things are turning. Things are turning. Uh, I think we, we've accumulated the most points since uh, lockdown bar, bar Shamrocks. Um, so... I guess we'll take that. Um, was there something else, Jerry, as well that um, you wanted to you wanted to mention there that has gone out of my head? Yeah, um, and Decky Divers also sent me a message as well. Uh, so uh, Buckley has used fourteen players this season. Yeah, and seven of seven of them have scored. Yeah, that's a great spread. Yeah, um, we had spoken in previous podcasts about needing somebody to come up with 10, 15 plus goals for the season. Maybe we don't. Yeah, um, I think it was Magoo who brought it up previously on a on a on a podcast, and you know, uh, I suppose everybody every every team wants you know a guy who's going to score fifteen or twenty goals for you. Uh, I'm not sure if we have that, but what we I think we will have is that we'll have guys that will chip in maybe 10, 12 goals over three or four players, and probably better off with some, with with that kind of uh, layout rather than relying on one particular striker. So I think it'll stand to us in good stead. Well, I think when you look at it tactically as well and the way we seem to be progressing our play with the front four or such, I think if you get an outlay of, if, if all of them get between 10 and 12 between them, like you're looking at plus 40 goals, like it's, that's a pretty decent return from a front four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I know we've got eight minutes left before Sean has to um, go and do um, a bit of service for um, the county and uh, the borough. So uh, let's do Derry at eight minutes. Um, so this is the first game that I feel co- really confident going into. Um, I'm sure it gets banked now, but um, uh, Magoo, it's 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 all there for us. Isn't it? Yeah, worry like, like 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 you. Like you, Connor, I'm worryingly, I'm starting to get a bit confident in this team. Like, look, you know, when you're looking at fixtures, you know, beforehand, you'd be looking at fixtures and you'd always be trying to think of a reason why you might win the game. You know, go to well, the balls will be, they haven't had a great start, but they'll be looking for points or they're bound to turn it around at some stage. Or Now you're looking at games thinking, yeah, we'd we, we beat these. And looking at another game, yeah, we can beat these. And, we can, and it's, you know, it's kind of a bit worrying, really, isn't it? Because it's just, I just feel like I'm setting myself up for, for yeah. a heartache. Yeah. Um, but like, I think in fairness, yeah, in, like in, in fairness, I haven't seen a whole pile of dairy, but the, the one thing, one of the bits and pieces I have seen is that they have a few, they have a few nice tidy players going forward, like yeah. your man uh, Parkin, is it, or what's his name? Uh, Patchen. Patchen yeah. and your man Fitzgerald, they're the two, two nice tidy players. But I think, in defence, I think is probably their weakest. I know JP was mentioning this. They have the best left back in the league and the, best, and the two best centre halves in the league. And the young fellow knows the best, best right back in the league. But uh, I think, sort of looking at them, that they're, they're a bit suspect and a bit dodgy at the back. And uh, I think we could, we should be able to get a couple of goals. Well, I think, I think it's over the line. I think if we get a couple, if we get a couple of goals, I think it would be good because they've scored three and six. Um, and uh, Sean, I was talking to you briefly today. I saw the highlights the the um, the one all draw against Dundalk, and the goal that Parker scored was an absolute gimme. Um, the Dundalk keeper did a little bit of a Superman punch, and um, it was just a terrible, desperate clearance, and it was an easy finish in the end. You should look at McGinty's effort last night if you want tips on how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Sean, uh, you're um you're running out of fast running out of time here. So let's t- tell us how confident you are. Again, worryingly confident. <laughs> uh, no, I think look at home, the way we've been playing and the way Dory have been playing, I think we should we should be well capable of winning the game. Um <laughs> As JP was alluding to earlier on, they still are a young side in building. We seem to be a wee bit further along, obviously, in our development. And I think what will stand big to us again at the weekend will be our back four. I think that solid back four will will tidy up anything, any attacking threat they have. And then it's just about our lads doing the business down the other end. I think manager-wise, we've far better manager. So tactically, I don't think we'll have any problems there. And we've already seen this from last season that Buckley has the vine anyway. Tactically, he's outclassed them twice. So, 
I'd be expecting a win at the weekend, definitely. Um, Jerry, so you know, but the fixture, the way the fixtures are set out, and the fact that Bowles um, changed six of their starting players against us, um, and they go into a tough game against Shams. Um, I, I kind of feel that, that, that Bowles could get a result against Shams, and uh, if we were to get a result against Derry, it might open things up a little bit. Yeah, um, and looking at uh, Shams' last three games, what they scored, an equaliser in the 88 minutes, a winner in the 94th, and a winner in the 96th. So they're just getting over the line. Um, and I think that, as you said, look, that those obviously are, are gearing themselves up for that game, and I can't see um, Shams being as fortunate four games in a row. So... Yeah, I think it'll be a, it'll be a close game. It always is, no matter what position both clubs are in at the time between Bowes and Shams. Um, I'd be hopeful of of winning Derry. I wouldn't be expecting. Um, I think they're actually maybe it, maybe it is divine because I think they have a better group of players than mm-hmm. what, what where they are in the league. Like if you look at the signed uh, Danny Lafferty, Stephen Parkhouse, Will Fitzgerald. Yeah, there are three players that we would love to have in our squad, even in our team, uh, particularly Parkhouse. Um, and they've got McJanus. I think it was McJanus that actually scored a goal against Dundalk last night. He's he's pretty good from set pieces as well, and he, he's a good centre-half. So I don't think we can take anything. Nah, we never, we're never slide-over fans. We don't take anything for granted. But it'll be, it'll be tough enough, I think. I'd be happy to win by a goal. Like every game in this league, I think there's no gimmies. Yeah, there's no there's no guaranteed three points. You can't go in overly confident to any game. You have to treat every game with the same respect. And I think that takes us back to what you said as well, just quickly last night about um, Keith Long not treating the game last night with the same respect he should have. You know, under underestimating us, I think. Yeah, and I think just on that, uh, Sean. I know we mentioned it before. I just think that. Um, you know, uh, maybe Keith Buckley's fallen into the trap of probably signing too big of a squad and trying to keep fellas happy and using the modern phenomenon of rotating squads. Which is a lot of, you know, look, you've got your best eleven players, you play them. Yeah, but that's my opinion. Especially, especially this early on in the season, there's no way teams need to be rotated in the first six games. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we could go into that Bulls squad a lot more. We off before we started recording, we were talking about Bastian Harry. You know, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, he absolutely runs the show for Waterford uh, against um, Rovers and Showgrounds, and now he's signed with Bulls, but he might as well be on a different continent because we haven't had a, a sniff of him, um, seen slightly sign of him. So, um, but we're pushed for time. Any other comments on Bulls before we wrap up? I'm sorry. Any other comments on the Derry game before we finish up? No, we're all good. Um, okay, so uh, just to mention our sponsors again, um, the White Hag Burry, who are great to us. And um, as I said, we'll be giving away another case of White Hag uh, during the Derry game or maybe just after the Derry game. And um, also Barry Creed, uh, Solicitors Dublin Sligo, he's associated uh, with McDermott, uh, Creed and Martin Solicitors, who were in Sligo, uh, thanks to Barry for all his uh, support too. And uh, lads, I just wanted to leave you with, um, so I had to do, do a little bit of Googling during um, JP's um, chat with us. Come to Jesus meeting, yeah? Any meeting uh, in which a frank, often unpleasant conversation is held so as to bring to light and or resolve some issues at hand. That was a new one on me. I don't think Jesus turned up, did he? <laughs> Uh, okay, that's, so ba- that's is- basically this podcast over like Rovers fans. <laughs> that's what we should call it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, hopefully we we'll all have come to Jesus after um, the after the Derry game, and um, Jesus might appear with us on the aftermatch reception uh, on YouTube after the game. Uh, Magoo, thanks a million. Connor, cheers. Uh, who will I go next? I'll go with Jerry. Thanks a million. <laughs> Connor, really enjoyed us. Cheers. And uh, Sean, we'll talk to you in the aftermatch reception after the Derry game. Thanks a million, Connor. Chat to you later. We'll talk to everyone uh, on the aftermatch reception. All right. Good luck. Bye bye. Thanks, lads. Cheers, boys. Let's party. Give it down, but Parks is going to flick this one on. There's a chance here, Parks. Over and up on the left-hand side. One, two. Is it going to fall, Connie, for Parks? It is. Kenny's behind him. Gibson calling for it. The volley from Gibson. And what a goal that is.
Hayes. Looking there for Kelly. That was a lovely ball, just a little bit too much on it. Kelly made a decent run as well. Trying to make space for the shot here. It's not a bad Bohemians, incredible strike. Ligo win it back, Bulger. Three up front for him to aim at. John Kenny's one of them, might break kindly here. Chance one on one to lift it over and score. Mark Byrne. What a finish that was, cool as you like. Well cut out though by Bulger. Bulger, plays in field. Four, three, two, one. Chance for the shot here. We have ignition.